0: Hello and welcome to Soundwaves, the official podcast of the Ellen MacArthur Cancer Trust. For our season finale, we're going to leave you with something that is only going to keep changing as the weeks go on, and that's the capacity everyone has to support charities. When we last talked about fundraising, the UK was in full lockdown, but as of this recording, we're starting to see some normality return. That means what people were doing a couple of months ago is different to what they're able to do now, but it most likely also means that what people can do now is different from what they'll be able to do in a couple of months time. And charities do need your support. We've said it before, and we will keep saying it. Once all of this is over, COVID-19, the pandemic lockdown, young people are going to need the trust more than ever. We have to be here in 2021 and beyond to make sure those young people have access to what they need during their recovery. As we'll hear in this episode, there's no one way of giving the Trust your backing. We'll hear from Simon, who raised almost £2,000 from home. We'll hear from Tim, who's a Rotarian, and how he and his district will support the Trust after choosing us as one of their charities of the year. Yes, fundraising is important, but we'll hear as well how spreading the word, directing people to our website, sharing posts on social media, every little helps. So this episode is one of two halves. First up, Simon tells us about how he's supported the Trust over the last little while, and he's joined by our fundraising manager, Lindsay. We talk about what possibilities there are for individuals to support the Trust at the moment, as well as what help we can offer to you for doing so. Hi, Lindsay. We talked a bit before on this podcast about fundraising while in the middle of lockdown. Things have kind of changed since then, but still haven't gotten back to normal completely. Have you seen a change in the kinds of activities and events people are taking part in or are being able to host?
1: Yes, absolutely. So I think last time we spoke, um, it was pretty much at a standstill. So all charities across the UK, sadly, were seeing lots of events put on hold or postponed or cancelled. So, yeah, over the last few months... um, yeah, things have obviously been changing daily and weekly, but I think in terms of fundraising, um, it's really nice to see in the last few weeks at least, um, people yeah, starting to think about doing things within their family unit, and getting out and enjoying the outside, um, so setting themselves some personal challenges. Um, so obviously organised events still aren't happening, but people are taking it upon themselves to pick a distance and do their own kind of um, event. So yeah, people are being really flexible and kind of taking it in their own hands. Um, obviously being very respectful of social distancing and keeping themselves safe and from our point of view we're following um, very strict guidelines so the Institute of Fundraising and the Fundraising Regulator um, have released some really helpful guidelines for charities um, to advise their fundraisers on. Um, So it's really great to know there's this guidance out there to keep everyone safe and it's nice to see that people are um, following this and coming up with some really nice ideas that are possible at this time.
0: So what are the challenges people are facing when it comes to showing this kind of support? Is it looking for new kinds of ideas? Is it finding ways to get other people involved? Or is it just a mixture of finding ways that makes fundraising still enjoyable?
1: Yeah, it's a mix really. I think, yeah, part of fundraising I always think is, you know, people do it to have fun, set themselves a challenge. Um, to take part in something you know they've never done before um, or possibly to fundraise with other people um, so I guess yeah at the moment the main challenge I think potentially is you know motivation people you know not necessarily having an event um, to aim for so set dates so things like the marathon you know if that's kind of changing it's quite hard for people to um, potentially stay motivated um, and doing fundraising potentially in smaller groups or by themselves that might be different to how people normally do things Um so they might be, you know join a running group to do a running event, for instance, more um, used to doing things in their sort of local schools or community centres. So I think now people are just having to, yeah, just be flexible and I think do something different than they've normally done before. Um, so I think it's just forcing people to yeah think outside the box a little bit um, and yeah, just do what works for them at the moment and maybe put those other ideas they had um, on hold. So put them forward to next year. Yeah, just be flexible really. I think that's the yeah that's the way to get around some of these challenges.
0: And if I could just bring you in, Simon, uh, thank you so much for joining us. I think it's probably best to just let you tell us what your recent fundraising venture was and why it was you decided to support the Trust. Yes,
2: certainly, Scott. Um, Hi, everyone. Um, So, yeah, I took part um, in a challenge that I set myself to cycle uh, from my front door in London, in in the UK, all the way over to Greece, uh, to a place called Civita. And it came about... uh, I've been really impressed with some of the challenges I'd seen people undertake um, off the back of, I think it was the 2.6 challenge um, mm-hmm. around the time of the London Marathon. Uh, There've been several challenges that I'd seen that sort of inspired me that I should do something and, and take part um, in, in a challenge myself. And I was sort of racking my brains. I guess it sort of echoes a bit what Lindsay was saying, You're know, trying to challenge myself, but also trying to think of something a bit different. I couldn't go... Take part in, a, in an organized event. You're limited in some, you know, we're, that was right in the middle of lockdown, so quite limited in, in what you can do. So, virtual challenge seemed like um, the best thing to do. Uh, and I decided uh, that I would cycle, as I say, from London to, to Greece. I was due to be going on holiday uh, at the time I was thinking of taking on the challenges, about nine weeks away. So I did a quick uh, bit of maths, looked at the distance, which was about 1,758 miles, uh, there or thereabouts. Um, did some math and it worked out at about 28 miles a day that I'd need to cycle for 63 days. Um, I then ummed and whether, about whether, you know, was that a big enough of a challenge to ask people to donate to, or was it? Um, and I, I decided it probably was. Yeah, 28 miles a day doesn't sound too much, but I think it was more the fact it was going to be for 63 straight days. Uh, And then it was a no-brainer. This all came about because I really wanted to support the Trust. I was fortunate enough to work with the Trust back in 2009 on the original Round Britain voyage and and, and, kept in close contact with, with Frank and others. And I could see that, obviously, this was a really challenging time for charities uh, and so I wanted to do my bit, however big or small it might be, to, to help support the trust.
0: I think one of the things that might be making people nervous at this time is that worry that people might not be as keen or as able to show support. Did you find it was harder to get people excited about your cycle or was that backing still there as always?
2: Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's a really good point. Yeah, I really it, I struggled when it came to, so I filled out my Just Giving page and it said, what, would, what do you want your target to be? And I really struggled at that point because I was really aware that some people had lost their jobs, some people had been furloughed, others had taken pay cuts, um, you know, people were dealing with a, a really, you know, quite an extraordinary situation we were in. So on one part, I felt almost guilty to say, hey, I'm I'm doing this challenge, could you send, you know, could you donate, you know, donate towards it for me? And I decided that I would try and obviously I wanted to raise money and those could would hopefully donate towards it but I was really conscious um to say that know yeah, this is my just giving page but by no means do I expect anyone to, to donate if you can't just yeah thank you very much for the support and it was great I got lots of you know lots of fabulous messages from people and I tried to I, I was also conscious that it was quite a lengthy you know it was nine weeks so how do you keep people interested in something you're doing for nine weeks without badgering on about going on a bike ride every day. Um, so I sort of set myself to do periodic, periodic updates and use that as a way of sort of telling people a bit about what I was doing. But I also decided it was a good opportunity to try and raise awareness of the trust and what the trust does. So I was trying to link to to, um, yeah, you, to, to videos on YouTube, to the trust page, etc., just to try and tell people a bit more about why I was doing this. And yeah, I was really, I was amazed at the amount of support I got, to be honest. Um, I originally set my target a £1,000 um, and then up that to 1500 and in the end um, was able to raise just over £1,800 uh, pounds, but also managed to get, you know, hopefully spread the word a bit further about the trust and, and the fantastic work that uh, you guys all do.
1: I just think, oh, well, first of all, thank you so much, Simon. It was such a pleasure to see, um, you yeah, your updates and sort of see you even raise your target as you're going along. That was, yeah, that's amazing. And I think yeah I'm with you there I think at this time it's really hard um, with everything going on it's yeah it's tricky to know how much to publish something or how much to push it um at this time but I think even sharing awareness that's you know that's just as valuable I think people um yeah just even looking at our page engaging with our social media engaging with your posts it's such a nice thing to be able to do and I think if you can't support financially um I'm sure you would have found people yeah passing on your link to other people sharing your posts getting involved in our site I just think it's it's a really nice thing to be able to do and I think at the moment people are really um, looking to do what they can to help because it's been um, such a hard time and I think lots of sort of communities have come together and people are looking for um, nice things and things that they're passionate about get involved in so yeah just everyone just thank you so much because it's so nice to see um, yeah you sharing what we're up to at the moment as well it really means a lot
2: no problem no problem at all
0: So I think it was interesting there what Lindsay was saying about the idea that support for the trust isn't just you know financial but it's also raising awareness and when you say you know it's a long project you're doing the cycling project when it comes to you know sharing links and sharing videos and sharing YouTube um, links and all that kind of thing was that premeditated or were you coming up with that as the as your activity went on?
2: Um, I think I always I decided that I wanted to try and combine the sort of the awareness piece with the challenge. Um, but some of it, yeah, to say that I had put together a comms plan and and planned out each week and what I was gonna share would be far from the truth. Um, it was often emailing uh, Lindsay and Christina and asking them, oh well, yeah, anything, anything you think I should share or any, any great links you could send my way and, and obviously having a look on the site and, and keeping an eye on, on your own social media pages on, on things to share um but I mean there's so much yeah you know, there's, there's so much uh, out there to share you, you you do a great job as a team of of raising awareness of the, of the work that you do that it was a really easy job to do that
0: it says something about how unpredictable everything is at the moment that you did this activity last month and yet now you could probably have done it a different way or you might have had more options available to you would you have done it any differently given a choice other than actually going on the holiday
2: uh, well, yeah, Yes, I would, yes. going on the holiday would have definitely been, you know, I had this grand plan in my, uh, in the back of my mind that I was going to do the last couple of miles cycling up to the resort itself, etc. But yeah, um, never quite happens. But uh, there's always another, another opportunity to do that, I'm sure. I think one thing, you know, looking back on it, something I'd probably look at doing is actually shortening the time, uh, the time frame. So I did it in nine weeks, which Make the day-to-day cycling perhaps a little bit easier, um, but yeah, puts a bit more of a strain. I have a, a brilliant wife um, who supported me on this in terms of you know, quite often I was doing fitting in rides around bath and bedtime for our, our young children and things like that. So um, perhaps shortening the time frame so there there wasn't quite so much of a, a strain on, on everything else uh, over that period. I'd also probably like to try and get out and do more outdoor rides. So I did a mixture of uh, indoor and outdoor rides. Uh, So I'd I'd like to try and do a bit more on the out, you know, doing outdoor rides. And also towards the end, once things were easing a bit, I was able to do some rides with uh, my young son, with my my dad and with a couple of friends to finish things off. And I really, really enjoyed those and, and that really helped. So yeah, I'd like to think that I, if I was doing something now I would look to do some some rides with other people so I'm just it's not just me on my own the whole time.
0: Yeah Lindsay what are your thoughts on that the idea we can look at the same kind of event but just look at doing it in different ways based on what's acceptable at the time either through government rules surrounding the pandemic or guidance from the Institute of Fundraising and you know what kind of support are we able to offer?
1: I think what everyone um I would love for people to speak to us as much as possible sort of at any time of the year at any time they're doing and um, these fundraising activities um because we yeah we'd love to hear about them and see what we can do to help but I think now at the moment more than ever um I just would encourage people to speak with us get our advice see if we can come up with any ideas let them know what other people are doing let them know if anyone else is doing the same kind of event so people could you know not necessarily do it together but you know link in communicate with each other keep each other kind of motivated um, and i just think remain flexible i think that's what everyone is obviously doing at the moment and i just think um, as long as you're keeping yourself safe and following the guidelines um, you know anything you can come up with within that remit is um yeah it'll be something different than you know you've ever done before and i think people really get behind the fact that you're trying to think outside the box and um yeah see what you can make work at this um, yeah, very difficult time where we just encourage people to chat to us and be flexible and just yeah innovate think about different things they can do and um, if they're doing see a sporting event is there anything they could do in terms of doing you know online raffles or getting any other kind of support towards their events So it doesn't necessarily have to be um just the one type of fundraising i think if people want to do online quizzes or anything to kind of um, add to their total get people engaged i just would encourage people to yeah see what other things they can add in really um Just to kind of mix things up and make the event you know maybe a bit bigger than they would have planned Um, normally just to make the most of um, people wanting to support them at this time.
0: Now we're going to pass over to Tim who's the District Governor of the Heart of England Rotary District and he's joined by Christina, the Trust's community and individuals fundraiser. This second half is about what groups, communities, collectives can do during this time. Hi Christina, with Lindsay and Simon we talked about how individuals can navigate this strange time when we're all in while still managing to fundraise. What are we seeing when it comes to groups and collectives? Are they adapting their approaches? Are they still managing to hold events?
3: Um, so I think in terms of groups, initially, the very first thing that happened, understandably, was that a lot of groups just kind of switched, switched off and, and kind of tuned out for the time being, um, understandably, because of what was going on. Um, but a lot of groups have moved their meetings online they've moved into the virtual world um, which is fantastic and actually there's a lot of benefits to doing it that way because it means that people can communicate with each other without even being on the same side of the country um, so it there's a lot of opportunities there um, and i think the more that we explore it the more that different groups are starting to realize what they can achieve and um, so it's really quite exciting from a fundraising point of view
0: Hi, Tim. Thank you for coming along and chatting to us. You're the district governor of the Heart of England Rotary District. I think before we chat about the fundraising side of things, can you give a brief wee overview of what that means for those who don't know?
4: Yes, most certainly. Um, Rotary is an international and UK based organisation, been around since the early 1900s. Basically, Rotary, from our point of view, in the heart of England, Uh, I look after 60 clubs, over 1500 members, and we support uh, the local communities, other charities and set up, run and help with other projects locally as well as internationally. And uh, obviously this may be financially, but also uh, a lot of Rotarians give up a tremendous amount of hours uh, to help all of these projects without being paid or claiming any expenses or whatever.
0: You've made the Trust one of the two charities of the year. Is that right?
4: Yeah, most certainly have. Um, we uh, were looking around to support uh, what we call a local charity. Uh, That's a UK-based charity. And I was introduced to uh, David, uh, who is one of your trustees, etc. And uh, he overwhelmed me about what your charity does, Ellen MacArthur Cancer Trust. And uh, from that point on, I was just sold. And I've spoken to all the uh, members that we have uh, in my district and we all agreed that this is the charity we will support along with others. But this is the main charity for the year that we will be supporting. And uh, we're already up and running with uh, money coming in. So uh, I'm really pleased, especially with today's climate. That, that is amazing. And when it
0: comes to that fundraising, you're sort of looking ahead to the next year of the Rotary District. What kind of things are you taking into consideration?
4: Well, with fundraising, obviously, like probably many other charities, we're having to look differently and think differently. Um, we've already had to cancel some of our fundraising events, um, but we've put other fundraising events on with the, with the help of Zoom and, and webinars. We, we now do... Uh, online bingo and um, quizzes and uh, horse racing, all, all sorts of things. So we, we're adapting to, to still get money raised. Uh, obviously, we're looking forward to Christmas because that's uh, one of our biggest months uh, that we, we collect a lot of money during December with the, the Santa sleighs and, and, and that sort of thing. But Rotarians are, are really good at adapting and as I say, we've already got money coming in for, for the support of the charity. So I'm really pleased with it.
0: And yeah, are you finding that support from people is still there, that people do still want these events and they do still want to donate money, even though things are a
4: little bit less ordinary right now? Um, yeah, I do really. And I think Rotary's in a, in a, a sort of a good position, really, from the point of view that a lot of people that know about Rotary recognise that, the majority of the money we collect goes back into the local areas, along with like Ellen MacArthur Trust um, that we're going to support. So actual from the point of view of normal day to day public donating, we still get those donations coming in. We're having to work harder for them at the moment because of the current situation, but they are still coming in. And, and I'm really pleased, I have to say, that, that with the support we're getting from the, uh, across, the, across the area.
0: Christina, you know, if someone's in Tim's position, they're able to affiliate a group with the trust, what advice do you have for them? What kind of support can we offer?
3: Um, well, there's loads of things that, that we can put in place um, and we've got, you know, collateral stuff that we can send out, branded things. Um, so, for example, people who are doing virtual fundraising events, um, we can give you advice on how to set up um, fundraising pages via Just Giving or Virgin Money Giving, depending on what you're most confident um, using. And we can send over links to videos, uh, which are on the Trust YouTube page, which are fantastic, and they give people who will be supporting the fundraisers a real idea and a real kind of sense of what it is that we do um, as a charity. Um, and I think having the, the branded things available to them as well is fantastic because it. Yeah, that kind of um, community and family feel um, to the fundraising um, and then that support goes on kind of from the start of their journey right the way through to the finish um, and I, I suppose I, I think of myself as a bit of a, a mini cheerleading squad So I'm, I'm very much you know on at the end of the phone or, or at the end of, of um, email and you know any supportive advice that people need um, that's that's my role that's what I'm here to offer so, um, yeah, there's there's loads of stuff, and I would also like to echo as well what, what Tim just said about, like, at the moment, it is true, you do need to work just that little bit harder, um, but I think, for me, I think that makes it more rewarding, and one of the things that I've really, really enjoyed, um, and I've been surprised that I've got quite a, quite a sense of enjoyment out of during the lockdown period, just seeing how creative people can be um, with the ways that they're adapting the things that they're doing. Um, So yeah, I think people are doing a fantastic job and we will continue to support them in any way that we
0: possibly can. And that's it for this week. Thank you so much to Simon and Tim, Lindsay and Christina for joining us and to you two for listening in. That's also a wrap on season two. So thank you so, so much for joining us for these wee chats over the last six episodes. I really hope you've enjoyed them. Our virtual summer rolls on and there are still new events coming your way. In particular, this week sees the launch of our new online get-togethers for parents. It's a chance to ask questions and get more information about the Trust and there will be staff, skippers and volunteers all there to help out as well as just give you a chance to meet the team. I've met them, they're lovely, I promise. Soundwaves will return after a short break. I'm already looking forward to it and I hope you'll join me again for more Tales from the trust until then be very well indeed and I wish you all the best